With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. ...by Rotowire. Here to talk about what I think is one of the biggest cards of the year, kind of our end of summer celebration, if you will, as we get to see Habib, the Eagle, Nurmagomedov, defending his lightweight title against the interim lightweight champion, Dustin the Diamond Poirier. I'm your host for Fight IQ, the Daily Fantasy Sniper. We're going to break this card down from top to bottom. And I, when I say we, I, of course, mean our analysts, the co-hosts. We are all three back this week. It is uh, Chris. Also, you can see up there is at Real Chris Olsen. Joe, Sun Tzu, guys, how you doing? I am really looking forward to this card. I, I love it. I love that it's a Saturday morning card. Um, starts at uh, ten fifteen Eastern. I dislike not as, that, by the way. N- not as kind for the people on the uh, West Coast. There is one subject of debate, though, that I've heard conflicting reports on it. I don't know if you guys could shed any light on it. One report I heard is that where they're fighting does, in fact, have some, the, the venue, does, in fact, have some form of air conditioning. And another report I heard says no. So do you guys know one way or the other? Because that could have some impact on especially- so- on gas tanks. I was actually researching this most of the day to see what I could find. Apparently, um, the arena is open air, and um, I think the original um, the original claim that it doesn't have any air conditioning comes from my Ariel Hawani interview where he said it's going to be 98 degrees and people are going to be sweating. So I think people kind of put two and two together. I wasn't able to find, and if anybody could, um, definitely uh, link me to it, but I wasn't able to find any actual claim that says there's no air conditioning. I think it's just the fact that it's an open-air arena, and Ariel said that in his ESPN interview. But if anybody knows anything else, please let me know. But I, I do think that um, that is kind of a concern that, um, you know, that they it is going to be hot, and they could very well be sweating. Yeah, I, I dislike the start time of this card, by the way, just because I have a kid, and it's easy to do things at night when she's asleep. 
So I don't know how much of this card I'm actually going to be able to watch live. You know, I got I got family stuff. I'll have my phone, but it'll be what it is. I'll watch the replay uh, for sure that night. But yeah, give me the the typical start times, especially the uh, fight night start times we're getting with it, where uh, the main event start or the main cards are starting at eight. That's been beautiful. But I digress. We are here to talk fights. Before we do that, we have another giveaway this week, guys. Um, one year of a, of a Rotowire premium subscription paid in full for the winner of the contest. I'm not going to tell you what that contest is right now. I'm going to need you to listen all the way to the main event. It is going to uh, involve our main event and Twitter, which you need to be following all of us, I will say. So you can take care of that now if you're not already. I'm at the DF Sniper. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Joe is at Sun Tzu. I will say that Rotowire, of course, is the sponsor of this po- podcast. They, they put us on. Um, make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free. 10J free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required, which you can win a one-year subscription to via that contest I will mention later. Can I just can I just add real quick that includes all of our DFS tools as well, which is uh, important. I know for a lot of you uh, with football coming up, um, we already had Thursday night game. This is over a hundred dollar value. It's easily our biggest uh, giveaway in terms of uh, monetary worth. So this is a big one, guys. Uh, stay tuned for it. So make sure you start thinking about the main event. We'll get to what that contest is. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe to this podcast on YouTube. Record Friday nights. Usually 8 o'clock. I was a little bit late uh, this week. It's, it's one of the rare times it's been me, but it was me this week. But 8 o'clock Friday. Thanks to everybody in chat. Uh, chat is going. Appreciate all you guys. You can also subscribe on iTunes, um, Rotowire MMA, and you can listen to the replay of that live broadcast after the fact. Enough of the pleasantries. Let's get to the fights. Don Madge, 8,700, taking on Fariz Ziam at 7,500. Madge is minus 165. The comeback on Ziam is plus 155. Let's see. Who do I want to start with this week? I, I kind of want Chris to go last in the main event. So that means I need him to go first here. So, Chris, you lead us off. Well, yeah. Um, Don Madge is, is is very interesting. He's one, of the, he's one of these guys that, at least for me, didn't look anything like he looked on tape uh, in his fight against Tay Edwards. He looked way sharper, way way better defensively, um, which really surprised me. And not that bad on the ground, at least. You know, had an active guard, had that uh, arm bar that was pretty close against Tay Edwards. And I think the opponent here is just, uh, you know, I just don't think he's that, he's that ready for this level yet. He's sort of a slow uh, one-strike kickboxer who's going to give a lot of ground and let Don Madge work with his uh, Thai boxing style and, and power. And um, I really think that's going to be enough here. I, I don't I don't think the opponent here really has that much to threaten Madge with. And uh, I'm big on him here. And one thing I really like about this fight is a lot of times when we have a guy like this who nobody expected and then he comes out and starches his opponent, we get something crazy like a 9,300 or a 9,500. Not that way with Madge's week. 87, I think you said, right, Sean? Uh, 8,700, yeah. 87 for Madge, which is very reasonable, and it's a matchup I really like him in, so I'm going to be really heavy on Madge this week. I'm going to be heavy on Madge, but also I'm going to have a ton of this fight in general because high inside the distance prop, and Madge is so aggressive. I think if he doesn't get a finish, he probably gets finished here. Uh, I like Madge as well. Uh, Joe, clean sweep? Yes. Uh, Yeah, obviously. I mean, here's the issue, though. I mean, I think that Madge was initially faded purely based on um, where he 
where he fights out of. I mean, you know, he is a, everybody was thinking South Africa, Garrett McClellan, um, Ruin Potts. Um, you know, if you looked a little deeper, the guy's got like 15,000 Muay Thai fights on top of MMA. He's super aggressive. Um, I think the pendulum may have swung just a tad too far the other way. Um, you know, th this French guy, again, the French have a growing but small martial arts scene. I think this guy actually trains in like Bulgaria or something. Young athletic. Um, first UFC fight, I agree. This is something that Mad should, uh, you know, should win and win handily. I think he's going to be very popular, though. I, that's the that's the only rub here. I, I do think that you should have exposure to this fight. But 8.7K at his price with people looking at a potential early finish, he's going to be very highly owned. So, yes, I'm going to make it a clean sweep. But my my, my caution is that uh, he's going to be very highly owned. And, and I, I don't think there's any secret here. Um, you know, in this fight. What's messed up is, it, is I realize it's a 13 fight card instead of 12. So my whole alternating idea to get Chris to go last is totally screwed. That's all right. Um, you, can, you can let him go last we're, anyway. Uh, we're, as we're, long as he's he, not, he's not picking Poirier, is he? No, but I assume oh. he's going to say something ridiculous. Oh, okay. Omar Akhmedov, 8,300, taking on Zach Cummins at 7,900. Akhmedov minus 115. Zach Cummins, this line was in danger of flipping. It is started to widen again. Cummings is now back in the plus money at plus 105. Personally, I like Akhmedov, but these are two big guys who don't strike a ton. Actually, a fight that I'm not super interested. I think if anyone is more dangerous, I think Akhmedov is slightly more dangerous. The problem is the gas tank. Uh, I'll take him, though, in what I think is going to be a disappointing fight unless it ends in the first 90 seconds. Uh, Joe? Yeah, so um, I'll take Cummings here. I mean, he's looked pretty decent at 185. Um, glory hall MMA. Um, he in Kansas city. Um, anybody got that? Probably not. Um, in any case, I'm going to go with Cummings. I do think the line still could potentially flip, um, which would create a small amount of odds value. I don't believe the ceiling is very high here. I mean, Cummings is fairly accomplished on the ground. Um, I would not be totally surprised if he got a finish, although I see sort of a low scoring, type of decision here with a small amount of odds value. So I am going to pick Cummings. Chris. Uh, yeah, I actually, um, when I, when I first looked at this fight, I, I thought I was going to pick Akhmedov. I don't really think um, a lot of Cummings and certainly not from a, a uh, DFS perspective, but um, I think that uh, Joe, a lot, a lot of people are, uh, are commenting in the chat about uh, your joke there that nobody seemed to get. But um, I'm among them, by the way. But um, I, I think that Akhmedov, you know, he really just likes to come in and throw really wild hammers. And uh, Cummings likes to slide back and counter it. He's pretty good at it. Um, he, he hit a much uh, faster, much slicker striker in uh, Tevin Giles with that counter and uh, led to the beginning of the end of the fight. So I think that is going to be a really solid... Uh, means for Cummings to win this fight here. I don't expect either man to get a ton of takedowns. I expect maybe to have a lot of clinch work being done, maybe, um, you know, exhaustive work in the clinch. But as long as they're in space, I like Cummings. And I think he can, uh, he can, jeez, what are we doing in the chat, guys? And as long it's, as... Um, it's the name Cummings. Just, just, that's all you need to know. And someone like... I, 
I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay focused here, uh, at least for for the time being. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm basically finished. I, I I like the countering ability of Cummings here. I think he's an accurate uh, counter striker, and I think the wrestling is basically gonna cancel. Um, this is a pretty much dogger pass fight for me anyway. Um, just uh, sight unseen as far as DraftKings goes, just because Cummings is a tough guy to finish. But I actually think he's gonna win the fight. So bonus uh, pick is that Cummings. Nordine Taleb, 8,200, as Joe viciously types away on his laptop. <laughs> Nordine Taleb, 8,200, taking on Muslim Salikov at 8,000. Uh, odds on this fight, Taleb is minus 125. The comeback on Salikov is plus 115. Eileen Taleb in this one, uh, close fight. Both are dangerous strikers. But I think Taleb has a kind of under-the-radar um, path to victory with his grappling should he choose to use it. So uh, give me Taleb. Chris, who you got? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Taleb too. I think the problem uh, for Nordine Taleb in that Sean Strickland fight was that uh, Strickland's pressure finally broke him. Uh, you remember that fight? He had a fantastic first round. Then Strickland just got really aggressive with the pressure, really just closed him off and uh, was able to land a couple of hard strikes and knock him down, and, and once he did, uh, that was pretty much it. I don't think that he's going to have that problem with Salikov, who is a slick striker in his own right, but doesn't really pressure, likes the counter, gives a lot of space, and I think that's going to, much like um, the the fight with uh, Madge, uh, he's going to give uh, Taleb a lot of time to work his uh, kicking game, especially which he's very good at. Um, Salikov's offense is okay, but as I said, it's mostly counter-heavy, and it relies a lot on, like, spinning back kicks and a lot of things that um, are low percentage and, and uh, you know, we don't really love to see from a DFS perspective. Now, he's obviously very powerful. He's obviously a very uh, accurate counter-striker, knocked out Ricky Rainey with one, uh, basically one counter-strike. Um, but, yeah, I, I just like Taleb to sort of control the center of the octagon get his work done, and uh, take a pretty comfortable uh, three-round decision here. So I'm going with Nordin Taleb. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Chris on Taleb here. Uh, and me. I picked Taleb. The, oh, and you. And you, sorry. Um, the issue here is with, with Muslim, the king of kung fu, is that as long as Taleb is smart and doesn't make a stupid mistake, um, you know, he's not going to get caught with a spinning wheel kick. Um, which is one of the reasons why Kung Fu is typically not an art uh, that translates all that well to MMA. Um, could it happen? Sure. I mean, you know, Taleb is 37 years old. He's sort of on the back end of his career. Um, you know, one thing that, that you know, we all sometimes make fun of TriStar, myself included, and one thing that TriStar does is they drill into you fundamentals. So I would not expect him to be surprised by you know, something spinning or flying, which is really how I see, you know, Muslim winning. I don't see him getting a conventional type of knockout. Um, I don't see him winning the fight on the ground. And honestly, I, I think that, you know, Tlaib is a bigger, better points fighter. So, you know, barring a finish by Tlaib, this could be a fairly low scoring fight, but at 8.2K, that's not going to be that bad. So I like Tlaib here. Um, He's got some upside. Um, I like his floor. If he I, grapples, he could score a lot. Yeah, he could. You know, he could if he decides to. A Muslim, I see, is more of a, a, a dart GPP type play. 
Bilal Muhammad, 9,100, taking on Takashi Saito at 7,100. Muhammad is now at minus 355. The comeback on Sato is plus 320. Something I have to read off. I need to read off Bilal Muhammad, DraftKings scores in his wins. You ready? Yep. 82, 83, 82, 82, 82, 108. Got to admire the consistency. In the middle there, I wasn't like, there's nothing wrong with your <laughs> with your connection. He scored 82 against against um, Mean, against Jordan Mean, against um, uh, Brown and Tim Means. Like an 83 against, Ch- against Chance Ren counter. Like, and that is kind of how I see this fight go, which means in play in cash, probably not a huge ceiling. Uh, Bilal wins here. Saito's lone UFC win is a knockout over Ben Saunders. Sorry, not that impressed. Um, yeah, give me Bilal Muhammad to get it done. However, I mean, I think he's a little better everywhere, just well-rounded. He just He's not flashy. He's going to be that UFC grinding veteran, but he's a solid, solid fighter. So uh, give me Bilal in this one. Just the price tag's a little higher than I want to see it. Uh, who's up for this one? I believe Joe. Yes. So other than Blades and Habib, um, Bilal would probably be my favorite fighter over 9K in cash. We got to talk uh, about Blades later. Like, we're going to yeah. get to that. But I mean, I'm saying that other than those two, I certainly like him more than Tosmanov. I like him more than Makachev. I like him more than the guy at 9.5K. Um, but. You know, you pretty much stole the thunder, Sean. He's not exactly been GPP friendly. Um, As great a guy as he is, as good a fighter as he is, um, unless he goes for takedowns, which we've seen him do on occasion, um, I don't see him scoring really that highly here. Now, it's possible he could get a few takedowns against Sato, which would sort of change the whole dynamics of of the fight. But generally speaking, is if you're looking for – um, a pretty safe floor in cash above 9K and can figure out how to put a lineup together that also includes Blades and Habib, then that would be the guy that I would take over the other three. Um, so I'm, I'm on Muhammad here. I, I, don't, I, I don't think he gets the finish. It's possible. But let's go with Muhammad and, and you know, consider using him in cash. Chris? Yeah. Um... Well, first of all, I, I have to uh, say, ask you something, Sean. I'm gonna, I'm gonna broaden this out for a second. Didn't you pick Ben Saunders in that fight? I did. Wow. Okay, so I, I, I don't understand. But, but, but wait, wait, I can explain this because look at the price tags in that fight. In no, that no, no. Fight. I understand, but I'm yeah. just saying. So Takashi how could you not Saito be impressed was, if you thought the other guy was gonna win? Because Takashi Saito was nine thousand. I like Ben Saunders as the one-off GPP play. Ben Saunders, you know, in space. And Ben Saunders, if I remember right, the fight was close in the first round, and then his chin caught up to him. And I did say with the caveat, as long as Ben Saunders' chin holds up. And it didn't, and it hasn't, and he's done. All right, so, I'm, I'm going to go back to me. Fair enough. Okay, I, um, I'm i actually picking Saito here. I wasn't going to. Wow. This is another, this is another one where um, I fully went into it expecting um, to pick – uh, um, Bilal Muhammad. Um, Saito gets hit a lot. He um, his attributes include that he's very quick. He has a very strong, accurate uh, piston left hand. Until I, I saw a fight with another guy who has a a very um, quick and accurate piston left hand, and that's Jeff Neal. And he was hitting him with it all fight. And um, 
I can't help but think that similar kind of thing is going to happen again. Now, I don't mean to say that they're identical fighters. They're not. I think Jeff Neal is one of the better prospects um, that we've seen come in to that d- division. I don't think Takashi Saito is there yet, but he's going to be the quicker fighter. I like that uh, left hand. The wrestling game is a question mark. We have to see how he's going to deal with that. Bilal can go there. We've seen it. But I'm just not really that uh, sure about how he's going to deal with the pressure and the big left hand. So, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna throw a dart here. I, I, am, uh, I am picking Takashi Saito for the win. Dude, you tripping, Holmes. <laughs> you be tripping for sure. Wow. Okay. We'll get there. I, I have a, a dog pick coming up later. Oh, I, I know what your dog pick is, but yeah, um, your dog pick has got a lot better shot than Saito. Speaking of which, it looks like we've just arrived. Atman Azatar. Wait, wait. Doesn't uh, Joe has to pick, doesn't oh, he? Oh, no, no. He, he, he did below. I did below, uh, dude. I oh, gave you a, did? I'm I sorry. Gave, I, I gave a whole dialogue. Well, uh, kudos to Chris for paying attention. I know. You know I'm sorry, guys. Pick, pick I was... a little poll in chat. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's true. I was I was preoccupied. I my apologies. Phil. Let me let me get back to the intro here. Atman okay. Azatar, eighty nine hundred, taking on Timu Pakalin at seventy three hundred. Odds on this one: Azatar minus two ten. Comeback on Pakalin is plus one ninety. This did open at plus two twenty five, so it's closed a little bit, not not a ton. And here's my logic here: I do, I will say that I want it's been GPPs. A lot of both sides of this fight. Uh, inside the distance is minus 225. So we should should see a finish here. Um, and I'm taking Packlin. We haven't seen him in two years since he got his, you know, knocked out cold by Mark Diakese. Um, He's a decent, well-rounded fighter. Like, time off. People tend to avoid those guys. Ring rust and chin are the two concerns. Azatar is young, he's raw, and he's super aggressive. And I think a guy like Packlin will be able to counter him. I think the takedown game is possible for Pac-Man. I just he has a few different paths to victory, and I think this fight scores well just because of the style Azatar brings to it. So I like both sides of this fight in GPP. I do think Azatar is going to be a little popular with the minus two ten line, minus two twenty does not go to decision line in the fight. But my leverage here is that I'm going to be overweight to Pac-Man, and I'm going to take the shot here and pick him to win the fight straight up. So give me Timu Pakalin, and let's go to. The underdog whisperer, as he liked to think he is. So after after your underdog playing Takashi Saito fails, will mine come through, Chris? Uh, well, I hope both of ours comes through because I am also picking Timu Paklin. Um, you know, it's it's strange uh, about Paklin because we don't we don't know a ton about him. He's had three fights in the octagon. The first one, he came in on nine days' notice. He shot for a bunch of bad takedowns and he gassed out pretty quickly. Second one, he won very quickly. Third one, of course, as you mentioned, he lost very quickly. So, you know, it's it's hard to know a ton about him from those three fights. And, be, and if you want to go before that, we're going years back. But what, what I do see from him is um, uh, some sharp, accurate striking, particularly counterpunching, some very decent grappling and uh, positional awareness. And the opponent here is just, I mean, I just didn't like what I saw. He just basically throws a bunch of big bombs and and tries to knock you out. Um, and in in this in not his last fight, but the one before that, he got his back taken. He got taken down a lot. I mean, he ended up winning, uh, landing a uh, a gut kick to the opponent that uh, you know shut him down, and that was the end of the fight. But I really think Paklin is going to have 
a lot of opportunities, especially for, um, you know, um, reactive takedowns. I think he can wear his big muscle-bound opponent out. And um, I think he gets the win here. And I think this can be a very, um, very high point scoring takedown laden win. Can he get knocked out? Of course he can. As I said, his opponent's going to throw from his hip and tries to not try to knock him out. So have both sides. I would be I would be stronger on Packlin though. I'm not that concerned about the knockout. I think that Packlin is the better fighter. I think he's the guy's got the better game plan in there, and uh, I think he's going in for the win. So uh, book it, Team of Packlin. Uh, I will say somebody mentioned you know um, Packlin also has a large height and reach advantage in this matchup. Um, so people are wondering about the odds. It's because we just saw Team of Packlin knocked out cold two years ago, like Mark Casey. That was that was an ugly knockout. So that's why the odds are the way they are. Uh, Joe, we're gonna go for yeah. sweep on the underdog. Yeah, I mean this is really weird because I looked into this fight a little bit and I actually watched some film on Ottoman. There's a bit of a narrative and a backstory on this Ottoman guy. So apparently he's pretty well off. He's got close ties to the royal family in Morocco. Um, you know he's got a brother that's also a fighter. Um, he's doing this for glory, not money, which always worries me a little bit. Um, I like these hungry fighters that, you know, are, are, are fighting for money. He is a wildly aggressive fighter in watching some of his fights. Um, the reason to like Packlin here is because he gets hurt a fair amount. Now he bounces back and he's just wildly aggressive and he goes out there swinging. Packlin is by far the more disciplined and technical fighter here. Um, Ottoman deals with adversity through pure aggression. And I think that could actually cost him here. This is a good fight to target though. Cause would it surprise me if, if, if Ottoman, you know, all pumped up, um, you know, having the, 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 the Moroccan government behind him, you know, just bum rushes him and just, just finishes him. No, which is why I think you have to have some shares of this fight. However, if this plays out, if this gets be outside of the first round, um, I think Packlin's got a really good shot here. So I'm, I'm going to actually continue, oddly enough, the sweep here. And I, three of us are on a 7.2K dog, which is really odd on a card with there are so few dogs. But, yeah, I will go with, uh, I'll go with Packlin as well. So we get one of the more interesting fights to talk about. Now, last one to – God, I want to skip this one. Liana Jojua, 8,400, taking on Sarah Maras. At 7,800, uh, Jojua minus 150 to come back on Maras, plus 140. Both girls typically rely on BJJ. Uh, Maras is five and six, but has fought some good competition. Jojua, the newcomer, neither one striking is very good. I actually think Maras might be a slightly better striker, but Jojua is better on the ground. Uh, fight goes to decision, minus 205. Like, I just, I am a hard time getting a read on this fight. Because uh, I know Morris is bad, and from what I've seen, I think Joe Ju is pretty bad too. So, right now, my plans to stay away from this fight mostly. Joe, sway me otherwise. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't know that there's too many fights we can stay away from, um, especially in the mid range. Um, the joke is getting old, um, but it looks like you know, sour cheesecake morass miss weight by several pounds. Two pounds. Yep. Um, yeah, she is the only fighter who miss weight. She is, um, oddly enough, um, fighting in Dubai a week before um, a Canada card, which I don't know if the UFC is trying to tell her something like, hey, we'll 
we're giving you a trip to Dubai, but we expect you to lose. And she misses weight. I'm not putting much into the missing weight because she was actually told to stop cutting um, by the medical staff in Dubai. Uh, so I don't think that that's going to be a factor. Um, you know, our good friend Brett Appley said there's a 99.99% chance that this fight ends in an arm bar. Um, you know, but I, I think, unfortunately, I do think that this is a fight that's going to require you to target. And I don't know if you pick a side or, or, you know, just spread. Um, I am going to go with the more experienced fighter here, who's Sarah Morass. Um, I'm not going to buy into my own narrative. I mean, I am suspicious that the UFC is flying her to Dubai the week before a Canada card, but um, I think she is the more experienced fighter. Um, I think she has a better ground game. Um, she's not afraid to, God, this is going to sound bad. She's not afraid to be on her back. Um, so I am going to, look, I, it's not a confident pick by any means. Um, and I certainly would not get near this fight in cash, but, um, I think I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Maras here. Chris. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, a big fan of Maras by any means. Like how could you be at this point? But when, when I saw a uh, tape on Juju, my first thought was Maras has got to be able to do this. Right. I mean, uh, Juju is just as, as far as striking goes, she basically has nothing. She just has sort of like a lazy one too that she doesn't even commit to. And I, I disagree with, with Sean a little bit. I think that Morass is going to be able to outscramble her. Look, the, the only person we've really seen outscramble, uh, Morass is, um, is, uh, Chiasan, who was, is so much bigger. And I mean, I, I don't even really count that in this instance. She's going to have a fighter who she might be even a little bigger than. Maybe they're about the same size, but we've seen Morass scramble her ass off in the octagon, uh, uh, to an armbar finish uh, in one of her previous fights, and I think in her last win, which may have been two or three fights ago at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I just saw um, I just saw in tape Jajua uh, just I mean she scrambles as well, and and she ends up on top at certain points, but she puts herself into a lot of bad positions as well. And I just think to Joe's point, to the more seasoned fighter, the, the fighter who's going to know how to how to. Uh, move around in there and, and, you know, not be overwhelmed by the moment, et cetera, et cetera. I just feel like Morass is going to, is going to have a handle on this here. I think that um, this is, this is such a winnable fight for her. If she doesn't win it, I mean, she's earned her pink slip. That's for sure. But I do think that, that she is going to win it here. I think it probably ends in a submission, maybe by that uh, guard on bar that, that, uh, that Brett predicted, but I am going on a on that specific prediction, maybe not as specific, but I am going to say morass by submission. Wow, I can't believe two you guys just picked Sarah Morass. I mean, I get it, but got it. Well, according to our good friend Non, Morass could only beat vegans, which uh, I kind of like. So it's, it's kind of funny. Um, All right, moving moving on. Zybora Tukagov, ninety five hundred, taking on Lerone Murphy at sixty seven hundred. Tukagov. Minus 325, come back on the Royal Murphy, plus 295. Look, Tukagov is too expensive for me, this card. Just, you have Habib up there, Makashev, other guys we're going to talk about. Um, typically doesn't score high. Burst fighter. I think he's going to try and stand up. And the Royal Murphy, decent rangey striker. It's a weird spot for him to make his debut. I don't think Tukagov will steamroll him on the feet. I mean, he has power, could catch him, but 
I think Murphy can hang in there on the feet. I think eventually Tukagoff is going to have to go to the ground. I don't think he does it quickly. Um, and either way, he's got to score to get 12x, you know, 110 points. I just don't see it here. I think Murphy's actually a live dog. Tukagoff, not very smart. Um, do think he is a more powerful striker. I think he is styled good in the judges' scorecards, whereas Murphy will use more of his movement. And again, I think the takedown eventually will be enough to steal Tukagoff's round. So Tukagoff, the pick, but I think Murphy's a better DK play than he's live, and I don't mind him as a super punt on DraftKings. Uh, Joe, start us off. Okay, so I got a bit of narrative on this. Um, I was off this week, so I did a bit more tape study than I might usually do. So I watched several of this guy's Murphy's fights um, in the UK promotion that he fought in. And look, he's athletic. He's aggressive. He's got speed. Um, he will have a five-inch reach advantage over Tuck Tuck. Um, so I immediately reached out to one of my sources of European and English fighters and said, you know, I watched some tape on this guy. He looks pretty decent. You know, what do you think? And he came back to me and he said, look, I think this guy will win some fights in the UFC. However, he has no takedown defense. Um, so if Tuck Tuck decides to employ wrestling here, which he could very well do, um, he could get him down. Now, if this turns into a range fight, um, yeah, I could certainly see uh, Murphy perhaps winning um, a close decision. Um, one of the knocks on Tuck Tuck, and let's let's also add to the narrative, we have not seen Tuck Tuck fight in three years. Now, two of those three years were USADA suspension. Um, when he fought three years ago, he lost a split decision to Renato Moicano in Brazil. I was on Moicano in that fight. Um, that might have been his first or second fight in the UFC. Um, the other piece of narrative is in the time that Tuck Tuck has been out, um, Murphy has fought seven times. Now, that would concern me in a lot of cases. However, I mean, he kind um, of fought. Well, yeah, he kind of fought. <laughs> We're talking about the McGregor melee, the 35 day suspension. Um, that would bother me, except Tuck Tuck, as Sean kind of gave me the lead here, is part of Khabib's entourage. He's been training at AKA. Looks pretty bricked up in his, in his photos. I've not seen the ceremonial weigh-ins yet. Um, is trained and managed by Khabib's dad. Um, I don't know. I mean, oh, also the other part of the narrative here is Murphy does, as you can tell, he's a pretty tall fighter. He cuts a fair amount of weight. Um, and this was a relatively short notice fight. So because of all that narrative, I'm not as high as Murphy as I was after watching his film. I will have some shares. I'm going to pick Tuck Tuck to win. Which, you know, okay, Bow, Joe's picking a 9.5K fighter. but I picked him, too. The same thing as you. I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I am picking him to win. But I do agree that I don't think he's going to be a great DraftKings play. He doesn't have a lot of volume. Um, you know, he's going to have to get a finish relatively early to earn his salary. So I do think that Murphy is worth a few stabs at 6.7K. That opens up your lineups to do a lot. Um, I don't like this fight at all in cash. I see this as purely a GPP fight. Um, you know, and, and oh, and let's add that a 24-year-old Tuck Tuck um, got a split decision win over a male nurse. So let's throw that into the fray. Um, he's bound to improve. He's only 28 now. 
So I, I see this as a GPP fight. Um, wouldn't play it in cash. I'm going to pick Top Talk, but I, I don't think he's a great DraftKings play. Chris? Uh, okay, uh, thank you. I don't have to hear Joe say Tuck Tech anymore, so that's that's good. Do you know but, what a Top Tuck um, is? Huh? Do you know what a Top Tuck is? No, what is okay, it? Okay, so a Top Tuck is a, a method of transportation in Thailand. It's one of those, like, three-wheeled scooters that, uh, you know, it's like kind of an open-air taxi that they okay. have in Thailand, so Tuck Tuck. Fair enough. Well, I learned something today. And what you guys are going to learn is why Murphy is going to win this fight. Wow. Holy crap. First of all, you like that segue, though. I know you did. But um, when I looked at – I said it in the chat earlier. I I looked at the the, the pricing. I I honestly thought it was a misprint. I had to look again. I I can't for the life of me um, understand why Tukagoff would be 9,400. I, I did, the point at the wrestling is taken, but he doesn't look to wrestle all that much. Ninety five hundred. Ninety five. Well, yeah, there you go. Ninety five hundred. Uh, he doesn't look to wrestle all that much. Um, but basically, what he does is just try to stand on the outside and come in with these big, big winging shots and and try to knock you out. And I think the opponent, as Joe said, he's he's quick. He's got good in and out movement. Uh, he seems powerful. And also what Joe didn't mention is he's got offensive wrestling of his own, which I think is an interesting interesting little wrinkle. Um, I can't comment on um, on his lack of takedown defense. I watched three of his fights. I didn't really see it as an issue, but I will uh, take the source's word for it. But I can only go by what I see. Personally, I haven't seen his uh, takedown defense be that much of an issue. Plus the fact that Tukagov doesn't seem to use his wrestling that often. So I am not that concerned about it. I like the reach. I like the speed. I like the power. I like the fact that Tugagov is way too comfortable fighting a range uh, kickboxing match um, when he shouldn't be. And for all those reasons, and for 6,700, of course, I am going to take Murphy to uh, get this done. All right, moving on. Andrea KGB Lee, 8,800, taking on Joanne Calderwood at 7,400. Odds on this fight. Uh, sorry, guys, I got to scroll for a second. I was, I was looking up odds for something later and screwed myself here. Uh, Andrea Lee's minus 220. Comeback on Calderwood is plus 200. So while I'm picking Andrea Lee to win this fight, uh, the odds are pretty off, in my opinion. And I am Calderwood's the more attractive DraftKings play. I think this is a really close fight. I think she should have won the fight last time out against Caitlin Chukagian, beat Ariane Lipsky. Um, look, Close on the feet. I just I, I like JoJo's progression here. Andrea Lee, uh, she's really just priced out. I actually think it's going to be a decent volume fight on both sides, and the winner is going to score eighty to ninety ish. The problem is if Lee does that, kind of ho hum. If Calderwood does that, she's going to be in the optimal lineup. So I'm going to while it's I'm picking Lee in a razor close fight. I think I'm going to have way, way like I'll be overweight on Joanne Calderwood. Uh, Chris. So I was watching some of her uh, her previous fights, and I was trying to figure out what I don't like about uh, Joanne Calderwood. And I think uh, um, the um, Chukagian fight really drove it home, which is she's just way too stationary with that uh, with that Muay Thai style. It, it allowed Chukagian so often to just land her combinations and get out of the pocket. And I think that's what that's what gave a judge that impression that um, that she was doing the cleaner work. Because it's not, it's not that it's not that Calderwood didn't get some good work done in that fight. She did, 
particularly with the leg kicks, but I just feel like she's too stationary. And when her target's not, it allows them to really put their shots together and get out of harm's way. That's particularly true um, with Andrea Lee and particularly more um, more uh, worrisome if you're Calderwood or if you're a Calderwood backer because Andrea Lee has more power. She um, throws in combination. Uh, I would say, I mean, I, I guess you could say uh, Kagan does that as well, but I would say um, the punches that Andrea Lee are going to throw are going to have more snap to them. They're going to look to do more damage. And we have a pressure fighter here who's maybe not as quick as Calderwood, but can also move in and out some. And I just don't I just don't like um, Calderwood, unless she lands like a perfect shot. I mean, leg kicks are nice, but, you know, leg kicks don't finish fights. They have to be most of the time. I mean, they have to be a means to an end. And um, for Calderwood, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see um, the progression in her striking. Really, I, I, I like that she added her wrestling a little bit. That could be something here, but we've seen Andrea Lee be very strong in, in clinch situations and um, good at reversals and stuff like that. So I actually think this is this is a pretty nice spot for for Lee, and I like her to take a high-volume decision. Yeah, okay. So um, there's a little bit of narrative around this fight, and uh, for those of you that also saw Alpha, I'm going to repeat pretty much everything I said there because I think it's important. So I think KGB is going to win this fight as well. However, um, when KGB accepted this fight, um, she had not planned on fighting again anytime soon. Um, so she had a, a vacation that she decided not to cancel. Um, and her vacation was in Hawaii. So her camp is very disjointed. Now, she did um, train with uh, Rachel, Rachel Ostevich. Um, in Hawaii, and I, I, the same offer I made on Alpha is if anybody can get me some of that um, training film with uh, KGB and Rachel Ostevich rolling, I will um, give my cash lineup away for a future card. Um, but her camp was a bit disjointed. Um, I do like her to win. JoJo got chuked, um, which is now an MMA term. You could look it up, Google it. She got chuked um, in that fight. I think the reason why she might have lost that fight is because she goofed off in the last 30 seconds or so of the third round. It was a very close fight. Um, Chukagian seems to have a lot of those types of fights. Um, I do think that JoJo has a pretty solid floor, um, is going to be very popular, especially in cash. Um, I do think, though, that KGB wins this fight. She's stronger. Um, you know, she's more technical. She's got better head movement. She's got a ground game if she chooses to use it. Um, I think she could be a sneaky... GPP play, but she can also, you know, get you 80 or so points, which is not going to move the needle all that much, um, you know, in, in GPPs. But I will, I will pick KGB to win, but I do agree with, with Sean um, that I think JoJo could be a decent um, play in, and, and perhaps even with a loss, um, if none of the, if all the favorites um, otherwise win, might have the best floor. Um, you know, even better perhaps than Dustin um, and could find her way onto the optimal lineup that way. So I think she'll be somewhat popular in GPPs as well. But give me KGB for the win. Right. Maribek Tysimov, 9,000, taking on Diego Fajera at 7,200. Uh, Tysimov minus 265. Comeback on Fajera is plus 245. Interesting fight. Now, Fajera is usually super aggressive. When you do that against Tysimov, he makes you unconscious. Fajera, you know, 
wants to hit this fight to the ground. Tyson off really good takedown defense has that background in wrestling in you know wrestling that we don't really see because he just knocks people out. We don't see Tyson off very often because of visa issues. This is his once a year fight. Uh, give me Tyson off in this one, but Bahia, a live dog, I'm looking at as well in a good GPP fight. Joe, what do you have? Yeah, well, this is interesting because um, first of all, I would not get near this fight in cash. Um, Tyson Love is a very low output striker. Um, he is pretty much a knockout or bust kind of guy. Um, he did not have a great fight against Green in his last fight. Um, aside from visa issues, I think there might have been, although I'm perfectly happy to be stood corrected, there might have been some visa, some uh, USADA issues as well. Um, he's 31 years old. Um, you know, I, I would still put him in his prime. Um, fast hands. Um, clean puncher. He's just not very high output. Um, so if he's kept at range, um, which again, I don't think CDF is going to do, um, but CDF could certainly um, try to get it to the ground, um, which is he's a third degree Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, so I think this is kind of an interesting fight. I mean, I don't like Tazmanov either in cash or as one of my my better plays in the in the 9k plus range however he certainly has um upside in gpps i just see him as a guy with a bigger ceiling than a floor and i think um you know cdf on the other side is probably going to be popular he's 7.2k um you know the hope's going to be that he could get the fight to the ground um but i see him as a gpp dart you know so i, I think if this fight goes to decision it's going to be a nightmare from a scoring perspective um, I will take Tazmanov to get the win, but, you know, tread carefully. Chris. Yeah. Um, one thing, one thing I noticed, I, I think, I think you called it, uh, Sean, that Fahey is aggressive and that's going to be a problem against Tazmanov. Specifically, I think that if you, if you watch Fahey's fights, like he has a tendency to just sort of plant his feet and, and try to brawl in the pocket and I think Tysonov is going to wipe him out the second that happens. I, this is a rare fight where, um, like I like I don't often say the exact way that I think a fight is going to finish, but this time I think I have it. I think that they're going to get uh, uh, Faye is going to try to keep distance early. They're going to get into a brawl where uh, uh, Faye is going to plant his feet, and he's just going to get melted with a counter, as we saw. Um, uh, Hadzovic uh, get melted as we saw um, other guys that uh, whose names escape me now. At least one more get melted uh, with counters. I just think that um, yes, he can be low output, but um, he's also very good at like baiting you into throwing strikes using light kicks, using that jab. I think he's going to um, I think he's going to get the kind of fight he wants, and I think it's going to end in a knockout. So I'm pretty big on uh, Tyson off here. All right, moving on, we have. Curtis Blades at 9,400, taking on Shamil Abdurakimov at 6,800. Blades minus 475. The comeback on Shamil Abdurakimov is plus 420. Blades look to wrestle if Abdurakimov, you know, Abdurakimov has decent takedown defense, but I think Blades is another level of wrestler. The issue is if Shamil can keep this on the feet, it's a really close fight. 6,800 heavyweights. Um, I actually like this fight for GPPs. I don't think it'll become a boring fight because I think Blades is going to push the takedowns and either get them and score a lot, or and that's most likely what's going to happen. Or Shamil, even if he has a Shamil-type win at 6,800 or 
6,800. If he pulls it off, he's going to be on the optimal. Uh, I like Curtis Blades a lot. Just on the off chance, Shamil can keep it upright. Uh, I think he wins. The issue is when you're building, can you, can you fit in Curtis Blades? You must play. Um, you know, Shamil has, has looked good as of, as of late. He's on uh, three straight wins, Marcin Tibor being the most recent. I think that's a pretty good win. Um, that being said, give me Curtis Blades, who um, you know, somebody mentioned it. I, I can't remember who it was offhand. Um, his, his wins are against an over-the-hill Mark Hunt. You could say an over-the-hill Alistair Overeem, although I think that one's a bit of a stretch. I think Overeem's still pretty good. Uh, knocked out by Nganu. Justin Willis. Is Justin Willis really good? He only scored 88 points in that one. Um, Adam Milstead, Cody East, they're terrible. And his, he's going to win over Daniel Omelanchuk, where he only scored 66 points. Like I had a little bit of hesitation about Blades for that reason. Um, Shamil, if he wins this fight, outside of Overeem, and Overeem is close because Overeem, you never know what you're going to get out of him. Um, as impressive as that was, Shamil's up there. It's easily will be a top two win for Curtis Blades, and it's only Shamil Abdurakimov. So I think I'm going to play Blades and Cash just because of the other options up there, but I'm a little bit hesitant, even with the wrestling-heavy game plan. Um, I do think he wins, though, and actually the reasons I mentioned do like him, do like this fight overall for GPPs. Uh, Chris. So I hear you, and um, I was thinking a little bit of that myself, but then – it hit me that Abdurakhimov is a much smaller heavyweight, and uh-huh. he's just not going to be able to to keep it on the feet. Even if even if technically he would be a better wrestler, it wouldn't even matter because Blades is just going to be able to um, beast him down whenever he wants. Now there is still there is still a uh, a a matter of scoring because he was able to beast Justin Willis down basically where whenever he wanted and didn't score well in that fight. Um, I don't know which one we're going to get here. I think that um, I, I would venture to guess that we get the worst of the guy who's going to land ground and pound. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I think that. Maybe it's because in the Justin Willis fight, he really wanted that victory and he was overcautious. Now that's just me speculating, um, of course, and I, and I, I would never say anything else. But I, I would tend to to um, think that we get the guy who does ground and pound with those takedowns, rinse and repeat. And I think he's going to be able to get him. Now, if he could keep it on the feet, that is, Abdurakhimov, could he get something done? Maybe. I mean, he's a, he's a good counter striker. He's got a decent jab. And despite the fact that I, I actually think we saw improvements in Blades' striking uh, in that last fight against uh, Justin Willis, I still don't think it's great. I still think he... He misses his range a lot, um, which is which is bad news against a decent counter puncher. But like I said, um, the wrestling is going to be too much here. It's going to be overwhelming. I mean, unless he absolutely cracks Blaze early, and even if he does that, we saw Mark Hunt do that, and then he couldn't he couldn't win. So I, I really have a hard time picking Abdurakhimov with the size disparity. I think um, Blades is gonna is gonna get a pretty dominant win here. If you're if you're afraid of the scoring, which I don't think is completely uh, a baseless fear, I would you could get away from him in GPPs, but I don't think you can in cash. I think he's pretty much a lock there. So uh, I'm going with uh, Blades for the big one. Joe, wow, Chris hit, hitting us up with his his grammarian. Wow, baseless. Um, okay, so. Blades is now the biggest favorite on the card at minus 500. He also has 
the best inside the distance odds on the card. Um, I like him here a fair amount, um, a lot, actually. Um, I do see rinse and repeat takedowns here. He's more athletic, has a speed and size advantage. Um, I think uh, his opponent is more in the gatekeeper role. Um, I would have liked to have seen a better matchup. Um, I'm pretty much always going to back Blades against anybody other than, um, you know, Francis Ngannou and and perhaps Stipe. Um, I, I really do like Blades a lot here. Um, I would love to see Blades Stipe. I just don't necessarily see that as a money fight for Stipe. But I think Blades, you know, I would have liked to have seen him have a better opponent so he could get the co-main. Um, but I'm, I'm with Blades here. Um, I think the challenge is going to be how to create a lineup without two losses that includes both Blades and Khabib. Um, I think that's going to be the hard part here. Um, Not for me. I got well, yeah. uh, you're you're the man, Chris. What can I say? Um, and you're yeah, a grammarian to boot. Even if, so. even if you're picking Packlin, that's that's not yeah. a cash play. Yeah, uh, you're a grammarian to boot, dude. Um, okay, so blades. All right, yeah, let's let's. We, I mean, we're gonna go a little over now. We only got ten minutes here, so let's let's yeah. not try to argue too much as we talk about Islam Makhachev at ninety two hundred, taking on Davi Hamosh at seven thousand. Uh, odds on this one. Uh, Makachev minus 355, Hamosh plus 320. I am going out in a limb here, and then I think Hamosh is going to be a little popular, and I'm going to fade Davi Hamosh. I was, look, I know Davi Hamosh, here, here's my thinking here, is that, look, he is a wizard on the ground. He, 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 I think Makashev is going to say, screw it, go with his grappling. And I think he can avoid a submission. And relying on submissions in MMA makes me nervous. And then I see how popular Hamosh is going to be. I'm, I'm looking for leverage wherever I can get it. I think that's one of the spots I'm going to go here. I'm going to take take some dart throws on a Lerone, a Lerone Murphy, a couple dart throws on Shamil. I kind of spread out that Hamosh ownership to these other dart throws just because I think Makashev is that good? I know. If if we saw Makachev last time out against, he was the one who fought uh, Sarukian. Different fight in that Hamosh wants to be, be on the ground here, and he's going to be except second position, looking for submissions. And I don't think Makachev allows it to happen. I think he wins. My leverage is fading Hamosh. I do like Makachev. It's a little dicey for cash, I will admit, but that's how I see this fight. Uh, Joe. Yeah. Um. Yeah, okay, so what could happen here is Islam Makashev can put himself in line to be an heir apparent to Habib, um, managed and trained by Habib's dad. Um, but what is more likely to happen is a ugly, messy stand-up fight that's low-scoring because you have two fighters that are going to be relying on their ancillary skills, um, in this case, striking, um, because one is a chain wrestler and the other is a submission specialist. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Um, I do think that um, Islam has the cardio advantage, so I can see him getting stronger um, as the fight progresses, um, which is why I'm going to pick Islam. But this is a very, very difficult fight to target. Um, you know, I think I might 
like him a little more in cash than Tasmanov, but I I don't I I don't like him love him as a GPP play. Um, even if he gets a late finish, it could be a really low scoring type of fight. And again, you've got a chain wrestler against a submission grappler. So what does that mean? A striking affair, um, relatively low scoring. So and and let's not forget that Makachev has had his chin tested by Martins. Um, so I'm going to go with Ma- with Makachev. Again, I just think that this is a Russian card here, um, and we're going to see a lot of Russians, and it's kind of hard to go against, uh, you know, the Khabib entourage fighters. Um, so I'll go with Islam, but I do not think this is necessarily that great a fight for DK. Chris? Yeah, um, the cardio is a big one for me. I was kind of going back and forth in this fight because if it does end up uh, just staying on the feet, as as Joe said, which is certainly a possibility. We have a guy in Hamosh who's not a great striker, but he's a willing one and he's an aggressive one. Um, the thing is for me is that we've seen Hamosh fade before down the stretch, and I really just think that um, Makachev with is going to be just so strong on top when he gets there, even if they just stall out a little bit in clinch positions. I think that's going to attrit the gas tank. And I really just feel like that's the path to victory here is is a slowed down Hamosh and then the takedown to come easier in rounds two and three. I, I I get the dart throw on Hamosh. He's gonna come out and, and throw some hammers. But uh, Makachev, I, 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 I was gonna say he's never been taken out, but I think he was credited. I think uh they credited Sarukian with one takedown in that fight. But even then it was only like for a second and then he got back up. So um, I don't think he's going to have much joy in takedowns, obviously. Now, he's obviously going to look for sweeps if, if Makachev gets him on the ground, but I just think he's too, he's too big and too good at positional control um, to allow that to happen, even against someone as accomplished as a jiu-jitsu player as Hamosh is. So I'm going to take, um, take Makachev here. I do uh, fear that it could be low scoring, but... If, you know, if Hamosh gets tired ahead of schedule, like if they do a lot of grappling in round one and the takedowns come a little easier, then you might get a little bit more points than you expect. So I wouldn't say right off Makachev completely, but I I understand concerns that it might be low scoring, but he's my pick to win it. Moving on, we have the co-main event, Edson Barbosa, 8,500, taking on Paul the Irish Dragon Felder at 7,700. Barbosa, the favorite, minus 140. Come back on Felder is plus 130. This is the fight that I don't think is great for DraftKings. We saw a technical striking match before. Yes, they both have power, but I think it plays out the same way. Um, if anyone is going to land the big knockout strike, it'll be Barbosa. Uh, close fight, though. Obviously, Barbosa getting older, has lost a few, but the great competition. Felder, I think solid, a little bit underrated. I think Barbosa ultimately wins this one, but um, you'd be surprised if Barbosa, I'm not going to read his scores because of time, but doesn't usually score a ton of points, you know, Dan nope. Hooker excluded. He's not a big scorer. So um, give me Barbosa for the win, but a kind of a fight I'm going to be underweight on. Uh, Chris, uh, yeah, Chris for this one. Yeah, um, it's a close one for me. Uh, the reason why I'm taking Felder is because I just feel like I just feel like Barbosa is, is has become way too easy to beat if you just pressure him. Now, Felder doesn't have the crazy pressure that a guy like Khabib or Tony Ferguson does, but he does have, like, the 
I would call it educated, just like constant pressure where he takes the center and slowly moves you back and slowly moves you back. And I think that uh, while throwing combinations, he'll, he'll throw it. He, he's very good at, at mixing in stuff like spinning elbows. And he, he's, he's good at knowing the right time to, to throw those kind of strikes. And I really just feel like that educated pressure is, is going to take its toll. And he might be able to walk Barboza on to a couple of big shots here. But, you know, even if it is, even if it is a um, – a decision, um, you know, Felder could still work in cash games, could even work in GPPs depending on how high scoring we get, although maybe not. But I, I like Felder at least for cash. I think that, as you said, Barboza may have lost a step. I think that, you know, it's 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 getting it's getting easier to draw up the game plan to beat him. You know, we almost saw Benil Daryush do it. No disrespect, but, I mean, they're not, they're not generally considered the same type of fighter. Um, same class of fighter is what I mean, but I I do think Felder is a decent shot here on uh, DK, and I like him to win the fight. Joe. Okay, so this will be Paul Felder's last fight in the UFC. Um, I predict. Where's he going uh, after he wins? He's going to be a full time commentator. Um, he he's had issues with with you know lung lungs. He's he's had a lot of damage um, accumulated over the course of his career. Um, he's also fought vastly inferior competition than Edson Barbosa has since their first fight. Um, we don't have to name the who's who of, of p- persons that uh, Barbosa has fought. Um, I believe he made a camp change, um, which really showed itself. Um, now, there is some narrative around his last fight with Gaethje. I was at that fight. Um, I'm not sure, Sean and Chris. Um, actually, Sean could probably relate to this. Chris can't. I don't know how you would react if you were heading into the ring and got a tap on your shoulder someone telling you your wife's in labor. Um, I think that that might mess you up a bit um, as you're heading into the ring for a fight. Well, maybe Um, saying ex-wife, because if I had a fight scheduled for any time near when she was going to give birth, I'd be getting divorced. Touche. So anyway, I'm going to give him a bit of a pass. And we all know how Gaethje Gaethje is. It hits hard. Now, um, Barbosa, (laughs) I I know MMA math doesn't work a lot. and, And that's one of the things I really love about the sport. It's the fact that MMA math doesn't work. However, I'm going to use MMA math as one of my many reasons why I think Barbosa wins this fight. Um, If I was going to line Dan Hooker up against Felder, I would pick Hooker nine times out of ten. And we all saw what um, Barbosa did to Felder. It was almost like he was taking, you know, like, okay, you're finally giving me someone who's only, you know, in the top 15 and not in the top 10 to fight. Um, I love Felder. I think his IQ has gotten a lot better. There was always Paul Felder jokes um, about his fight IQ. I think he's gotten a lot better. I absolutely love him as an announcer. I think he's one of the best um, color guys that the UFC has. um, So he can make money doing that. I don't ever see him um, fighting for a title. Um, So I'm going to go Edson Barbosa here. I do agree that this might not be the best fight for DraftKings, especially if um, it goes to decision. Um, However... I could certainly see Barbosa with his kicks. And I don't think he's lost the step that you guys think he has. I could certainly see him hurting Felder with his kicks and getting a later stop. And at 8.5K, I could see him as a sneaky mid-range kind of GPP play that's going to be relatively low owned. So give me Barbosa for all those reasons. And I'm going to go out and predict that this is Felder's last fight in the UFC. Right, moving on to the main event, Habib the Eagle, Nurmagomedov, 9,300, taking on Dustin Poirier at 6,900. 
Uh, Habib minus 400, come back on Poirier, plus 355. Look, Habib should get takedowns. Wait, wait. I'm sorry, Sean. Time yeah. out before we do that. We oh, yeah. Contest All right. room. All right. Hang on. Let me, let me, because uh, I'm in the middle of it. Let me just, I'll, I'll okay, power yeah. mine because it's quick. Um, Habib should get rinse and repeat takedowns. Should win this fight. I'm rooting for Poirier. Poirier's path to victory is catching Habib coming in early. And I mean, in the first two minutes of the fight, I think once he defends a takedown or two um, or gets taken down once or twice, it's going to be a problem. I don't think he's going to stop takedowns. Uh, Habib in this one, um, all in on this fight on both sides. Now to the part you're all waiting for to win a one year premium membership to Rotowire. Tell us how many takedowns Habib Nurmagomedov is going to have in this fight. And as a tiebreaker, if you get if more than one people person guesses the right amount of takedowns, Habib lands. Give us the result of the fight. Give us who wins, how they win, and if you pick decision, I want scorecards. That's just as a tiebreaker. So the contest is how many takedowns does Habib have? Also, as a tiebreaker, who wins the fight? How do they win? Submission, knockout, and around. And if you pick decision. What are the scorecards? Make sure you're following all of us on Twitter at the DF Sniper, at Real Chris Olson, at Sun Tzu. Use the hashtag FightIQ so we can find those tweets. Good luck in winning a one-year membership to Rotowire. Now that we've said that, let's go to the breakdown for this fight. Joe, who do you have? Um, I'm I'm very high on uh, Habib in this fight. I think it's a really good matchup for him quite honestly um I, I get the narrative um everybody is looking at how big and what a big size advantage Poirier had and how he wore down Max um Max coming up from featherweight to take his first fight at 155 I get it and I like Dustin he is a a great guy he's done a lot for um the community he's a great fighter um again this is a guy that was put to sleep by Michael Johnson though um, let's not forget that. Uh, I, you know, Habib has been a DraftKings, what's titanium? What's better than platinum? He's been titanium on DraftKings in terms of a point scored. Um, there you go. Even in a decision, you know, with his ability to get rinse and repeat takedowns, um, he's going to score well. Um, 9.3K is a gift. Um, I, I love Habib here. I, I would not fault anyone wanting to take a stab at Poirier at 6.9k however um I also do not believe that Habib has got that many more fights left in him um he's already gone on the record and say he gives fuck all sorry oof, crap all about mm -hmm. legacy um you know he is interested in money fights um he's gonna make from what I hear five million for this fight which is huge um so he's not a guy he's a guy that can pick and choose so I don't think he has a lot of fights. I see him winning this one um, in a, a pretty dominant fashion. I don't know that he'll get a finish. If he does, it'll occur late. Um, but I like Khabib a pretty fair amount here. Um, I also think he's going to be the highest-owned fighter on the card. Chris? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't hate um, – People picking Poirier here. I think the reason people are picking him is the same reason that I picked him uh, against Max, which is uh, a power puncher who throws in volume. And that's a very interesting thing and a very nice skill set um, to have. 
in any fight. But the reason why I think Khabib wins this is because, and I haven't seen a lot of people mention it, but um, maybe because it hasn't affected him adversely yet. But look, Dustin gets tired. He got tired against Max. Um, he got tired against Gaethje. Now, to his absolute credit, he pulled through both of those fights. But there wasn't a lot of grappling involved in those. Certainly, there wasn't any uh, grappling where he would have to be on the bottom and have to be carrying somebody's weight and dealing with strikes and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's going to work to drain the gas tank way quicker. And I think that like, if there's wrestling involved and Dustin is, is even more tired, then maybe those blitzes from Max in the second and third round, uh, maybe maybe they do end up getting uh, getting finishes instead of uh, Dustin you know, having to come and rally through. So I really think that's going to be a big factor. I don't think that um, the takedowns are going to be a problem. The only people we've seen stop Khabib's takedowns are bricked up uh, guys who are wrestlers themselves, guys like Glyson Tebow and Dustin Poirier is not that. So I don't worry about Khabib landing takedowns here. I think that unless Dustin can uh, really pour it on him early, I think Khabib wins it, and I think he wins it pretty comfortably. So I'm with Joe here. I'm, uh, I'm going Khabib. Bricked up and juiced. Well, yeah, exactly. Very, very good. All right, guys, time for some hot takes. Viewer hot takes, please, in chat. Hit them up. Let's see what we got here. Um, guys, anybody have a hot take ready for UFC 242? Yeah, my hot take is that a a, a a fighter with a loss will be on the optimal. Oh, that's a good one. That makes me feel good about the amount of calendar what I have. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's, that's what that makes me feel good about. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you got one? Oh, yes, I have one. Uh, Takashi Sato is going to knock out Bilal Muhammad. Wow. That's... I got to play a few Sato lineups now. That is um, that is pretty bold. I'm going to say from my hot take, actually, anybody got one in chat? Let me check real quick. Uh, I got two. I like two up the bat. Tyler Lee, zero takedowns by Habib, stands and bangs in the fight, ends in the first two rounds. Wow. I think crazy. That would uh, be a hot take. Geronimo, 713, Dustin Poirier shocks the world. Um, not sure if he wins, but Will with his takedown defense. Wow. He could shock the world by having his bowels give way in the ring. I mean, that would shock the world. Last one, Ryan Burton, Morris inside the distance. Uh, my hot take is going to be Joe kind of stole the thunder with what I was thinking. Uh, so I'm going And we to did not talk that. about this before, right? Nope. Yep. We did not, but I, I'm getting those feelings too, even though I'm taking taking some shots and some dogs here. Um, oh, all right. Let's just, I mean, can I just say Timo Pakalin wins inside the first 90 seconds? Yeah, I love it. Flash knockdown. Yeah. Flash knockout by Timo Pakalin. Uh, before, before we leave, um, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but guys, make sure, if you did, forgive me, but guys, make sure when you do the hot, when you do the contest, make sure you hashtag fight IQ so that way I, I know what to search so I can find them all. Um, it's really, it would, it's really going to help so that I, I don't have to go looking in a hundred places. Thank you. Uh, one, and one thing that I want to add, Chris, um, uh, for those of you that are, are uh, Sirius XM subscribers, um, there is a channel fight nation, which is dedicated to MMA, I believe boxing, but also, uh, you know, fake wrestling. Um, we need you guys, cause it's going to be very hard for us to get on uh 210 during football season. We need you guys to like lobby Rotowire to get us a slot so that we could have like a regular show on Fight Nation. I mean, again, it's not 210, which is fantasy sports, but 
We can certainly talk fantasy. We can talk wagering. Um, I, it's a great channel. Um, it's it's sort of the redheaded stepchild to fantasy sports fight nation. But um, how cool would it be, you know, for us to have like a thirty minute or so three man show going on, you know, every week or you know for the pay pay per view event? So I'm speaking totally off the cuff here. I did not discuss this with. Sean or Chris or anybody at Rotowire, but no, we don't disagree. Don't worry. Yeah, but I think if you guys like lobby, like our, our super fans out there, like Non and 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 John Church, you know like do is is go and, out there. Include Jimmy Smith Jr. Okay, well, look, yeah, I'll yes. take Jimmy Smith, but if the three of us can get a show, like you know, something that we can record, maybe, and like you know, put it on at any time, like give us an early morning slot, whatever, you know, just let us get some some momentum going. Fight Nation, Cirrus XM93. Let's do it. They do have a Twitter. Hit them up there, guys. Uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody, in twat. In twat. Wow. Twat. Whoa. I was going to say chat. That goes right with Glory Hall yeah. MMA. Yeah. And, and I want to be put on Sirius. Yes. Twat and Glory Hall MMA. Yeah. Unprofessional, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. One, which is just up with the tongue. You're out here throwing glory all around like it's no big deal. Yeah, I just, I just hope Cummings doesn't blow his load. I mean, really. Which, which it's not. Oh, God damn it. Anyway, go, go to rotowire.com. We're so close to just ending the show. 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Make sure to enter that contest using the hashtag BiteIQ. You can also use the hashtag EmptyLaundry. Tell us how. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use that one. Use uh, Good one. Tell, tell us how many takedowns Habib gets as the tiebreaker. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be our last show, I think, guys. They're taking us off. off yeah, you're fine. Forget it. Oh, man. Tell us who wins the main event and how. Scorecards if you pick decision. I'm at the DS Sniper. Chris is at Real Chris Olsen. Joe is at Sun Tzu. Like, comment, subscribe to the podcast. Good luck in your contest. We'll see you next week. Word. Peace out. Right, guys. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.